0: Twisted, but that it's directly from God's Word. Today I want to take a few moments of time to uh, um, do something that I do regularly every month of January or February. Um, what I like to call the state of the, the church um, and talk about where we are. But uh, um, you'll get a little bit more of that in just a minute. But today I want us to look at redeeming the time. I think it is so important that we understand the times in which we're living in today. What is going on around us? What is happening biblically? And how God is, is, is impacting that into our lives? And what we need to understand that we as a church need to be doing today. So, if you would stand with me as we honor reading the word of the Lord in uh, Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus in chapter 5, and I want to read verses 14 through 17 this morning, and then share with you what I believe, just a couple of things that Paul, the Apostle Paul says to us from this scripture. Starting in, in verse 14 of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Wherefore, he saith, awake, thou that sleepeth, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See them... Then that they that walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore be not unwise but understanding that the what the will of the Lord is. Father, we come before you this morning and we hear these pointed words of the apostle Paul as he writes to the church of Ephesus. A church that is known for its love and its works and its good deeds, but yet The challenge comes through loud and clear. They need to understand the times in which they're living. Father, all these years later, 2,000 plus years later, God, we open the Scripture to find that the Word of God is just as relevant to us today as it was to the church that it was written to. And so, Father, I pray that you would cause us as a church today to, to recognize the, the great need that is before us. Father, that you would cause our eyes to be opened, and our lives to be changed, and our hearts to be renewed. Lord, that you would awaken us to the fact that, Lord, the time is now. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and move me out of the way and let not my words but your words speak. Through your servant Paul, the apostle who wrote these words. May the Holy Spirit take his words and may we hear them in our hearts and may we be moved in our spirits, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and you may receive this morning. Today it is the, an opportunity for me to share about the state of the church, which I believe is simply the need of the church. The state of the church today is the greatest need in which we have. I could talk about the three B's. Now, do you know what the three B's that pastors, when we get together, we like to talk about? You know, most of the time when pastors get together for conference and, or pastors get together, they, somebody will ask the question, so how is your church doing? And the pat answer that most preachers give to one another is the three B's. Now, let me just tell you what they are. Buildings, Budgets and butts. Alright? We talk about, well, we just built a new building. It's spectacular. I mean, it's got all the latest technologies. Oh, we just passed a, a, a you know the largest budget that we've passed in all of our years as a church. Or we got more people sitting in the pews than we've ever had before. And listen, that's a, a plus and a negative. Listen to the word we got more people sitting in the pews than we've ever had before.
1: So we can talk about the three B's, but that's not what I
0: don't think the Lord wants us to talk about. The condition of our church. Listen, if you want to know about the three B's, come to a business meeting and we'll talk all about them. I think God has a message for us this morning that is the need of the church when we talk about the state of the church today. And listen, I'm not just talking about where we are as Midway, but I'm talking about where we are as a church as a whole. As the church of the living God, where are we today? And listen, my friends, when we think about where the church of God is today, it helps us to see where we are in that church as well. I believe that what we need to talk about is something that really speaks to the condition the church has found itself in in the 21st century. A condition that if it continued to be ignored will lead to a continued decline in church attendance and a decline in the spiritual health of God's kingdom. Spurgeon shared a devotion that I thought was interesting concerning David seeking the Lord's guidance. He said, David asked the Lord if he should attack the Philistines. The Lord replied by telling him, When you hear the sound of the marching feet in the tops of the mulberry trees attack, that will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you. Spurgeon now writes about this passage of Scripture, and he says when God's people sense that God is opening doors before them, they should. And here's what he says. Seek help of God, that you may be more earnest in duty when made more strong in faith, that you may be more consistent in prayer when you have more liberty at the throne, that you may be more holy in your conversations while you live more closely with Christ. While a similar thought the Apostle Paul says to us this morning, he appeals for us to live a godly life. Wisdom that is to make the most of every opportunity that God has afforded us today. So in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says to us that if we want to live godly, we want to live wisely, there's a couple of things that we need to consider. In verse 14, Paul says, wake up. As a matter of fact, look back with me, if you would, uh, again to that verse. And he says, Wherefore saith, Awake, thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Years ago, when my kids were at home, and um, they were younger, you know, to get them up in the mornings was not always the easiest task in the world. Um, and if you've ever heard me sing, you'll know how this is purely torture. But I would love to go through the house and sing a rise, you know, um, know, let's see, let me me go back and rise and shine and give God the glory. And I would sing that to the top of my voice trying to get them up. Okay, they would wallow their heads under their pillows and all kinds of crazy things. Um, But eventually it would stir them up. Now, uh, I did eventually get them to rise, but uh, shining was definitely a different story. Now, the truth of the matter is, if you've ever had a teenager that you've tried to get up in the morning for school, you'll know that it seems like it is an impossibility to get them up and to get them motivated and get them ready so that they are not late for the bus. Now, saying that, let me say that it is not only our kids and our teenagers that are sleepyheads. Okay? There are many churches and there are many Christians who are fast asleep today. There are many Christians in many churches that that the Lord is crying out, awake, and yet they are still sleeping. Peter tells us that Christ has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Therefore, we ought to live as children of the light. Paul gives us some reasons for waking up and walking in the light. In Ephesians chapter five and verse sixteen, Paul tells us first of all that we need to arise and wake up simply because we need to. Re- the days are evil. The days are evil that which we are living in. Listen to what he says in verse sixteen: redeeming the time that we have right now, because the days in which we are living are evil. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't have to spend much time. Listening to news medias and other things to hear how evil things are in this world today. I mean, it's, it's almost to the point that it is very depressing to find out to see how much evil is, is actually going on in this world today. The Bible teaches us that, that Satan is the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. John also says that the whole world lieth in the wicked one. In addition, we learn from Scripture that we are currently engaged in a spiritual warfare with the power of darkness. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul didn't cut any corners when he tells us what kind of world we're living in today. What kind of evilness that has surrounded us, and who brings about that evilness in this world? We have an adversary who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is all about destroying us, and therefore we recognize that we must do something about it. If ever there was a man in Scripture that would understand the need to be aware and alert would be the Apostle Peter. We remember... The night that the Lord had the, the, the last supper with His disciples. That He was telling them that He was about to go to the cross. And that He said to them, all of you are going to deny me. You're going to flee. You remember what Peter said? Peter said to the Lord, though that everybody else denies you. Everybody else forsakes you, not me Lord. Even if I must die, I will not deny you. What a stand. Man, hooray, Peter. What a courageous statement. But do you remember what the Lord returned, said to him? Peter, I'm afraid that's not so. Peter, tonight, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Now, just a little side note here. While we were on our trip to Israel, we went to Caiaphas' house, the place where the first trial of Jesus took place that night where he had been arrested and taken to and where um, John and Peter and uh, had set out on the, the, the back deck around the fire and where Peter denied the Lord three times. The last time that Peter denied the Lord, what was the very thing that happened just prior to his denial? The rooster crowed. We're walking there up to that very site, getting ready to walk into the church that they have built over Caiaphas' house, and guess what happens? A rooster crows. Make the story even a little bit better, we're finishing through and talking about all of the events that took place, and we go out onto that very deck, that very place, that one outside deck is still there after 2,000 years, still there. We're standing there and our God is telling us and finishing the story and points over to the edge and says that perhaps Peter was standing right there as, as the fire was, was, was keeping him warm and Jesus being escorted. The scripture says that he's being escorted out. And again, just as he's saying that, the cock crows. I tell you what, chills go down you. But before all of that took place, there was another event that took place in Peter's life. Scripture tells us that after Jesus had made this statement, he took the disciples into the garden of Gethsemane. And there he said to the disciples, stay here and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John, and he took them a little further into the garden, and he said to them, as, as my spirit is heavy and burdened, you stay here and pray, and I'm going a little further to pray. We read that story and we find that a few minutes later, after Jesus has prayed that, that prayer, Lord, if this your will let this cup pass from me he comes back, and he sees Peter, James, and John asleep. And he says to Peter, Peter, he says, Can you not stay awake an hour and pray with me? Do you not know that Satan wants to sift you like wheat? What he was doing was reminding Peter that that the power of prayer can change the outcome of your life. But the absence of prayer, the absence of awareness and awakeness is going to lead us down to a road of destruction. And the Bible says that Jesus went away again and, and when he came back, Peter, James, and John were asleep.
1: And after leaving again, he
0: comes back again and he tells them simply to sleep on now, folks, listen, I want you to hear the, the, the point of the, the reason that I bring this up. There is a time in which we are called to awake and to pray. And then there's a time when it's going to be too late. The time of prayer will be past. The urgency will be gone. The, the, the ability to change that which needs to be changed will be past. I tell you that we need to redeem the time for the days are evil. And what that means is the days are coming to the place where they are coming closer and closer to the return of the Lord. It is our opportunity today to reach the lost for Christ. It is our opportunity today to be the voice in the darkness. I believe the church has lost its awareness of the times in which we're living. I think that we have talked about the fact that Jesus is coming so much that people are like what the Scripture talks about. Those who were critics and saying you talk about all the time about Jesus coming, but the calendar continues to click by, and yet He is still not come. And yet, my friends, I remind you of what the Scripture says. That Jesus is not He is not slack in his his keeping His promise, but He is long-suffering in that He desires that more would come to know Him. He's giving us a time in which to redeem. But there is coming a close to that time and we must recognize that it's drawing nearer and nearer every day. So the days are, are in need for a time of awareness. You know, Peter then, after his denial after Jesus rose from the grave, was was then recommissioned into the work of the Lord. And Jesus told Peter that, Peter, once you have been forgiven, you will then go and teach others. Isn't it amazing that when we look through the writing of Peter, we hear a very common phrase from the Apostle Peter, such as found in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 that says this. Listen to these words. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That verse has a different meaning when we think about what it meant to Peter. Peter understood what it meant to fail, to pray, before the temptation came upon him. And Peter said to the church, make sure that you are aware, that you're alert, that you are praying, that you are diligent. Because no doubt, Satan is coming after each and every one of you. Satan is coming after his church. He's coming after our teenagers. He's coming after our children. He's coming after you as a family. He's coming after us as a church. Satan does not want to bless us. He wants to destroy us. And my friends, we need to be sober and diligent and vigilant because we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. The days of his coming are getting closer and closer. And secondly, he reminds us that we need to redeem the time because time is short. The Apostle Paul and and, and verse 16 again telling us redeeming the time. So often we hear people say, I don't know where the time has gone. I don't know where the year has gone. I don't know where the years have gone. However, the scripture is very clear that reminds us that time is short. When compared to eternity, the time in which we have in this life is short. James says in chapter 4 and verse 13, Go ye now there, ye, and say today and tomorrow that you will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what you shall do on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For if you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, and, and we shall live, and then we shall do this or do that." I don't know what the plans, and I don't know what the dreams of your heart is, but I do know this: you've only got a limited time to get it done. Life is short it takes hard work and intentionality to to turn a dream into a reality. There are only a certain number of opportunities in this life. And that is especially true when it comes to leading others to the cause of Christ. Today, there is an open window of opportunity. Yet tomorrow, we do not know if it shall close. Now what do I mean by that? Today we still have an opportunity of freedom in this country to be able to present the gospel freely. But We are only one law away from having that all change. Don't ever say that it can ever happen. Think about what's happened in our nation over the years when people have said it can't happen. It has happened. My friends, the reality is we never know when God's going to shut the door. When He's going to remove His hand of blessing upon America and no longer are we going to have the freedoms that we have to proclaim the gospel. I'm telling you, time after time, Satan is coming after the church and he's trying to shut down the message of the gospel. And we need to do everything that we can to change that. You know, I every year as I have a theme in which we present to the church is going to be the theme, and I have a theme this year, already in mind, and we'll present it, we'll share it very quickly, that has everything to do with redeeming the time. The time needs to be redeemed. We need to be about what God has called us to do. We need to be moving forward. We need to be reaching people. Not only reaching the lost, but we need to be discipling the the saved. We need to make sure the next generation knows exactly how to present the gospel. Rather in good times or in hard times, we need to make sure that we we are teaching the next generation what it means to be a Christian. How do you live for Christ in a world that is opposing everything that Christ is? We need to desperately do that. The Bible tells us that to, in Jeremiah, he prophesied, "The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved." If we are not careful, we are going to miss the opportunity of harvest. The Bible teaches us that one day Jesus will return like a thief in the night. The reference to a thief does not mean that Jesus will return in a sinister way, but suddenly, unexpectedly, when we're not aware. It will occur while men are asleep, both in the world and in the church. This is not referring to our nightly rest. This is referring to an apathy that has come upon the church in the world. My friend, I'm afraid that the greatest sin, the greatest struggle that we have as a church today is the apathy. We have become so religious that we've forgotten that our religious, our religion is about a relationship. We need to get back to having a relationship with Jesus where we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul and with all of our mind. We need to stop doing things just because it's the things to do and start doing them because of the love of Jesus. We need to present the gospel to the world, not because somebody told us to, but because Jesus has changed our life and we want their lives to be changed as well. Yes, Christ is coming. I believe it with all my heart. Many in the church today are caught up in the things of the world and have little concern for Christ's coming. Therefore, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake out of your sleepiness. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Listen to this little poem. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love and fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life till soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, they will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, it was worth it all. For only one life, to soon it is past. And only what is done for Christ will last. We're told to awake. We're also told to live wisely. What does that really mean in the world in which we're living today? What does it mean to live wisely? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15: See that you walk circumspectly. Another good word for that is wisely, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord is. Paul tells us to live wisely. In order to do that, we must do these two things. Walk circumspectly. Walking circumspectly means to live a careful life. Strong defines it this way. To live exact, accurately, and precisely. In other words, live with a purposeful intention. Let me ask you a question. Is your life being lived with purpose and intentionality? Are you living with a goal in mind? Now listen, there's two views in which we can have with that. We have a worldview... And that means that we're living with the world in mind. I want to I accomplish all of the things of this world. I want to have a great career. I want to have success. I want to be wealthy. I want to have all of the things that the world has to offer. And then there's a God view. And that is that we want to live for Him. That we're not concerned about the, the, the benefits of this world. Though if God blesses us with them, we're going to use every benefit that He has blessed us with to bring forth the kingdom of God. Are you living with intentionality? The psalmist said, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The thought is not so much count your days, but in other words, make your days count. Know what needs to be done and, and make plans to get it done. Make the most of the life that God has given you. Don't waste it with foolishness. Don't assume that you'll have all the luxury and time to sleep and there'll be a time for it later. Perhaps you'll remember the warning of our God who gave to those when he said to Peter, While men sleep, the enemy came and sowed tares among the fields. Do not be caught unaware. There are at least three ways in which we can live foolishly and I want to give them to you very quickly and just in defiance to God's will. Too many of us are living in defiance to God's will. We have the, uh, we have the excuse of saying, well, I'm not sure I know what God's will is. My friends, there's not a one of us that does not know what God's will is. His will is to live for Him and to, to love Him. To serve Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Apart from that, everything else falls under that. We know, but we're defiant to God's will. We want to live independent of God's will. We want to do it our way. We want God to to change His mind so that um, His way fits our lifestyle instead of our lifestyle fits His way. And then thirdly, we live in an indifference to God's will. What does it matter
1: In the end, what is it really going
0: to matter, whether or not how I'm living? It matters. It matters. There's coming a day when each and every one of us are going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what we did or did not do in this life. What we said and what we did not say, how we lived and how we didn't live. Yes, it matters. It's not so much that we have a desire to defy God's will, we're just dull when it comes to recognizing it. Our senses have become dull, and we're, uh, we've grown indifferent. We don't recognize the opportunities that God has given us to serve Him. Therefore, John chapter 4, verse 35 says this, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Listen, my friends. We need to recognize that we need to redeem the time now because time is evil and because time is short and because God has said that we are to live our lives in a way that we're honoring and glorifying Him. So over the last several months, so that you and I as a church can live wisely before the Lord, Josh and I have been meeting and we have been praying and we have been working on a mission statement and a strategy that we're going to present to the church as a way in which we can live wisely, a three-fold prong uh, uh, direction that we believe that God is saying to us that this is what the church needs to be focusing on that will build the kingdom of God and strengthen His church. Lord willing, if the weather allows and you can make it next Sunday, we're going to sit here and present that to you. We believe that it'll help us as a church to know the directions in which God wants us to go. How that we can walk circumspectly, wisely, for our Lord. Second thing he reminds us of that we need to redeem the time. Can I remind you that your time and my time is running out? Yesterday's gone and we can never get it back. Tomorrow's not yet here, and today is all we've got. We must do everything that we can to redeem the time that God has given us right now. To redeem something is to recover it from the power of another. We live in a world where many are addicted to painkillers and so many other drugs and different things. Unfortunately, many in the church are addicted as well. Now, not to painkillers, but to other killers. Such as time killers. We're addicted to the things of this world, and 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 we're we're allowing them to rob us of our precious time in life. Some are addicted to the time killer of television. Others are addicted to the time killer of uh, uh, of computers. While others are addicted to the time killer of complaining. I read this the other day. It says, "There's always enough time to do God's will." Did you know that? A more contemporary way of saying that we need to redeem the time might be to seize the moment. Live life and resolve and determination. A few centuries ago, there was a great Christian leader by the name of Jonathan Edwards. One of the things that made Jonathan Edwards such a powerful Christian and leader was that at least once a day, every week, he would read over 70 resolutions that he had established for his life. I want to give you three of them real quick. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved never to do anything that I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Resolved that I will live so that I I shall wish that I had done when I shall come to die. The state of the church is the need of the church right now. I believe the church has fallen asleep. I believe there is a need for a great repentance. A great renewal. I believe there is a time that we need to recognize that, that God has given to us a call. I want you to read again the scripture that we read this morning. I want you to look at what it says that something that God gave to us 2,000 years ago speaks so clearly to the church today. Wherefore, he says, awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is." I don't believe that we can even begin to imagine what God might do through Midway this year if we as a church would do this. We would resolve to redeem the time and live according to His will. We may not be able to imagine it, but I sure would like to see it, wouldn't you? I would like to see what God has in store for his people. The state of the church is a need for us to awake, to arise, to hear his voice. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I don't want to have music this morning. I want just you to think about where you are. Where are you this morning? Are you sleeping? I don't mean are you sleeping there in the pew. I mean are you sleeping through life? Are you sleeping through the Christian life? Arise. Awake. God wants to pour His light into you. He wants you to be that voice in the darkness. He wants you to be that light. If you would, just stand to your feet as I pray for you and open the invitation for you to come and repent. Many of us need to repent that we've been coming to church simply because it's the thing to do, not because our love for Jesus is overwhelming. That We've been walking dully through this life, doing and, and living it, not because we're committed to Christ, but because we believe that we can just appease God by our actions. Father, I pray for our church this morning. I pray for the church a whole. Lord, I look across America and I see the sleepiness of the church of America today. I see that, Father, that we need to arise and awake. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, O Lord. I pray that you would move among us. I pray that our people would recognize, O Lord, we need to arise and awake, and Lord, we need to confess, oh God. Lord, I've not been walking in the light of the Lord. I've not been living according to His will. I've been trying to align His will to my life instead of my life to His will. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Empower me to go out into the world and redeem the time in which I have. Lord, you know the prayer of my life has been these last many weeks, let the last days of my life be the best days of my life. I desire, O oh Lord, as I see myself phasing out of ministry, Father, that I would go out with all the power of Christ living through me.